You can go ahead and be seated just for a brief minute before I, I get into the text. But I do just want to say, how about that word this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus. How many have been blessed for the, the series, although he doesn't like to call it a series. Um, it's a, an identity uh, that's going on. But how many have been blessed by these last four, five, six weeks? Thank you, Jesus. Powerful, powerful what God is doing. Powerful what God has placed on our pastor's heart and, and what he's using pastors to do in this city. We've seen so many things happening recently with one services for the last couple years. What's going on in this congregation since we've, we've moved here and just how God is orchestrating and moving things and he has laid this upon pastor's heart several, several years ago is when he first started talking about it and getting the word from God about this tree of life. And these messages have been deeply touching, deeply powerful, and, and, and altering uh, of, of who we are and what we are. And, and we have to hold him up during this time because a sickness like this, Satan is going to attack and do whatever he can to come against him as he takes us to where God wants to take us. And, and I don't want to use the word change, because that scares people. But what's going on and what's happening, we're not changing, we're evolving. And this is probably the only time I'll ever use the word evolve or evolution from this pulpit. But that's what we're doing. We're growing into what God wants to do for us. And it starts with um, what God wants to do and who he is, he is making us into. Mike Easter, Chris, or New Year's Eve, if you heard the message, he talked about seeing Seen souls, seen loved ones in these seats. Has anybody seen anything yet? Are you still having that vision? Have we gotten away from that? Is anybody still seeing that? Because that's where we're going. That's the tree of life. Seen loved ones in a seat. Don't lose that message. Don't lose what God wants to do. That's the tree of life. God is restoring a city. He's restoring his people. And that's where we're going. We can't lose sight of that. And that's what God wants to do for us. It's about... It's about what he's doing with us and what's going on with the new building and, and this land and, and everything that's happening with a campaign that's coming up. We have to understand that it's not about money. It's not about what the new building may or may not look like. It's not about all the great things that we're going to have, which are going to be fantastic. But it's about souls like Pastor preached about that are going to be saved. It's about a city that needs to be saved. It's about a world that needs to be saved and is getting fed lies every day. But it's about his truth. And it's about bringing this congregation together. And I truly believe what, what God has been pouring into my heart today for the last few hours has been about preparing us for, for where God wants to take us and how he wants us to be prepared. Because I've said it before, I, it's not about dollars. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He can provide that money tomorrow. It's not about the dollars for him. It's about us being prepared. It's about us as a congregation being prepared for what he wants to bring in. And are we ready? I don't know. But when we are, we'll see the finances take care of themselves. We're already seeing building plans be expedited. Like never, like the company and Sister Melanie can attest to it. Quickly happening. Things are happening quickly because God is ready. People are coming. People are ready to find restoration. 
People are coming up to these altars every time we open up for prayer on Sunday morning and saying, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. I'm, I'm fighting this. God is pulling me. And God's bringing them in. And we have to be ready, church. This congregation has to be ready for what God wants to bring. And we need to be healed. We need to be ready. We need to be united because God needs a healthy body to heal people. He needs a healthy body to heal people. We need to be healthy so the wounded, the brokenhearted come, can come into this place and they can receive what we're receiving every week. They can receive what we've already received. How many can remember when God pulled you out? When he picked you up and took you out of that life that you were living? Sometimes we can get away and we can forget about that because we come in, we're so used to coming to church and it's just what we do. It's what we've become and we think, well, this is just our culture. This is just what I do. But we were saved by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And that's who he's bringing. If we forget about that, then we've lost our way. If we forget about what God's doing, if we forget about those people that God's bringing in that are broken and desperate, and we're just caught up in our day and just getting out to lunch, and hey, did I wear the right shoes or the right tie tonight? My God, I'm afraid we've lost something. He wants us to be prepared. He wants FAC to be a tree of life. And he wants us to be prepared in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. And I, I don't know, he's given me a lot today. I'll be honest, and I don't know what direction he's going to take me, but I'm excited to see what he does because I know he wants to speak tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Can we go ahead and stand while I get into the scripture here? I'm going to go to John chapter 8. Verses 4 through 12. John chapter 8, verses 4 through 12. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote, on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, Who is without sin among you? Let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convinced by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst... When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have light of life. Thank you, Jesus. Tonight I just want to speak about it is written it is written if you could just pray with me lord we thank you for your presence that's already in this place tonight lord you're holy and you're worthy and you've already showed up lord i know that you have a word to say lord speak through me lord god anoint me to speak your words of truth what you want to say the direction that you want to take us lord god be with us in this house tonight 
In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray your presence, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. You can go ahead and and be seated in Jesus' name. I did choose this text, even though um, I'll tell you that I I don't have the revelation of of what Jesus did right in the sand. I'm not going to share that tonight and say, hey, I got the revelation of what he wrote. I will say pastor has shared what he believes that Jesus was writing or saying. And maybe at at the appropriate time, if he chooses to share that, he he can do that. I, I won't elaborate on that. But I brought up this text to say that the holy God in the flesh, when he writes something, it is final. When he writes something, it is truth. Whether it's in a stone tablet or on a wall in a king's dining room or in sand, it doesn't matter. When Jesus writes it, when the holy God of Israel writes it, it is true. And that's what we can stand on. And that's what we can hold on to. And that's what we can trust in. So when they all stood there and they accused her and they saw what he wrote one by one, they didn't question. They didn't doubt. It doesn't say anything about that. They walked away. They took that as final word because he is God and he is God alone. So what he writes, that is final. That is truth. In this world, there's a lot of stuff written down, but we know what is true. And it's this word of God. That's the one thing that I know that I can stand on is this word of God. This truth is what I want to stand on. It's what I want to live by. It's what I want my family to live by. It's what I want my house to live by in Jesus' name. And I'm getting excited because I noticed that the days are getting a little bit longer. When the sun is out, like it was out the other day, it's, uh, the days are getting a little bit longer, amen. That's why I love June so much when it's daylight until 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. I definitely love that time of year. But also the spring is about, it reminds me of uh, spring training and, and baseball. And I only bring that up because even these professional athletes, as they attend spring training, played baseball their whole lives or however long they've been playing it, paid a lot of money to go and to practice and prepare for a season, what the first thing is that they do is they go in and they practice fundamentals. That's the first thing that they do is practice fundamentals. Bunning. Are you kidding me? They've been bunning and and know how to throw a ball their whole lives. They practice turning double plays. It's things that they have done their entire life, but that's what they go to do. They prepare themselves for a season that they're getting ready to enter into. And I'm glad tonight to preach on on fundamentals. I can handle that. I'll leave pastor to deep deep in the weeds and deep revelation. I'll stick with preaching about fundamentals. I think I can handle that. But the truth of the matter is I believe we are entering a season where we're going to have to have those fundamentals. Amen? I believe we're entering and already have entered into a season where we are going to need these fundamentals to get us through, to stand on something, to know, hey, you know what? I don't know. There's a lot of things coming at me. There's a lot of lies coming at me. 
There's a lot of things that I'm hearing on TV, on the radio, on the workplace, whatever it is, and it can be confusing because the enemy wants nothing more than to confuse us. But there's one thing I can stand on. If I know these fundamentals, that this is what is written and this is what is true, I know I can find my way into his word and say, all right, what does your word say about this, Jesus? What does your truth say about this? Because that's what I want to hold on to is your word. I don't want to listen to what some man is telling me. I don't want to listen to what a politician is telling me or what a news anchor is telling me I should believe or who I am for that matter or what demographic I fit in because I'm a child of God and that's who I'm going to be. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the truth that I can stand on. So when the enemy tries to confuse me and tell me this is who you are and this is what you are, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to go back to that spring training. I'm going to go back to that practice where, oh, we're going to practice a bunt. Okay. I'm fearfully made. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You chose me. You called me. Hallelujah. I can abide in you. Your name is a strong and mighty tower that I can seek refuge in. I'm going to go back to those tried and true uh, scriptures that I can stand on and say, you know what? I know. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Those are the things that I can go and I can stand on and say, I don't know about this. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know about stock markets crashing. I don't know about us getting nuked by North Korea. I have no idea. But I know, Lord, your word is true. I know that your word is true. And I know that you have a plan for me. And I know you've prepared a way. Thank you, Jesus. And that's the season that we are, we are seeing that we're entering. We're seeing a, a, a political shift or in this country that, that has taken a place Regardless of what party you, you, you stand on or, or, or believe in, you know, to me, there's only one party, and it's this. There's only one word, and it's God's. But we're seeing a shift. We're seeing accusations. We're seeing a culture that is telling us as Christians that, well, you're intolerant, or, or you don't stand for peace. You're, you're not a tolerant person. But that just makes me think about Jesus. If there was one person that was tolerant, it was Jesus. So if you're going to tell me that I'm intolerant because of what I believe in, I'm going to point you to Jesus. Because if there was anyone tolerant, it was him. I don't hate. We don't hate. But I have to stand for this truth. I have to speak this truth. If I don't, then I, then I really am intolerant. Then I really do hate you. Then I'm not telling you, hey, you know what? There is a better way and there is a truth. Regardless of what you may think the truth is, regardless of what a professor in college is telling you what the truth is, regardless of what a politician or anybody else is telling you what the truth is, this is who you are. And this is where you can find your identity, not in what somebody else is telling you. So when you tell me I'm intolerant because of a belief I have, I'm going to point to Jesus. I'm going to say, Here's a man, God in the flesh, that walked on this earth, was spit on, was beaten, was bruised, and was rejected by his own people and hung on a cross. If that's a picture of intolerance, then I, I, I'm lost. That, to me, is the ultimate tolerance. And that, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And if I can show them Jesus Christ, if I can show them this is who I am. It's not what you may say because of religious you know, feelings that have gotten out there and people that have gone off and, and acted in hatred manners because of religion. But if I can point them to the cross, 
if I can say, you know what, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't hurt you. I don't know. Maybe somebody has hurt you in the name of Jesus, but I can tell you he hasn't. I can tell you just like that woman that he said, where are your accusers at? And he said, he said I, I forgive you, but go and sin no more. He tolerated what they were accusing her of because he said, I know that we struggle. I know that your flesh struggles. I know that people struggle, but I understand. And I'm just going to tell you that I do not accuse you right now. Go and sin no more. Your day of judgment hasn't come yet. So if you're here today and you have accusers or you are accusing, I want you to think about that. Judgment hasn't taken place yet. Sin has been judged. And we want to hate sin. We want to speak against sin. And we want to call it for what it is. But the people we have to love just like Jesus loved her, just like Jesus loved her. His grace is sufficient. And people that are on that train of saying, you know what, I'm covered. Mercy and grace, I'm covered by that. I can do this, that, and the other. We have to tell them, you know what, amen, you are. But Jesus also said, go and sin no more. And that's what I want to say to people. And that's the, that's the example that I want to be. I want to be tolerant. I want to show his tolerance in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. The word is under attack. The word of God is under attack today. And, and it's a mistake when people say it's, a, it's under attack like never before. I don't believe that. The enemy has been attacking this word for as long as, as, as it's been there. The enemy has been attacking this word as long as it's been in existence. The enemy has been coming against it and coming against the church. So I'm not going to have that crutch and say, well, it's under attack more than ever before. And, and, and what is it? And, and, and I'm going to say, well, we can't, you know, tolerate this. We can't, you know, stand up against this because it's under attack more than ever before. That's not true. It's always been under attack. And it's up to us to stand on it. It's up to us to say, I'm going to stand on what's true. And I'm going to reject anything that you come against that the enemy brings against it. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, it's always been under attack, and it will remain to be under attack. Hallelujah. But we have to stand on it. We have to stand on this word, on this truth. I think of uh, last, uh, about a year ago this time, we had brother and sister Kovach up here. Sister uh, Caitlin and brother Tyler came up to interview or talk about taking on the youth pastorate role. And one of the questions posed to them was, what is your favorite scripture? What is the scripture that you stand on? Sister Caitlin said, buy the truth and sell it not. Proverbs 23, 23. Brother Tyler quickly echoed that and said, yes, that's what I want to stand on. Buy the truth and sell it not. Amen. And I want to tell you tonight, young people, if that's what they're in pour, if that's what they're pouring on to you guys, I'm thankful for that. Tyler, Caitlin, continue to pour that onto them. Buy the truth and sell it not, because there is one thing, young people, that you can do is buy this truth and sell it not, because you're going to be attacked at your schools. You're going to be attacked on your jobs. You're going to be attacked in your culture by what's coming at you. Buy the truth and sell it not. If there's one thing that they could pour into you, I th I'm thankful for that, that that's it. Thank you for pouring that into our young people. And if you guys can hold on to that and stand on that, you won't fall to the winds that are coming against you. You won't fall against to what the enemy's bringing against you. Buy the truth and sell it not. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I see, I don't know if Brother uh, Emmanuel Cephas is here. He's doing P7 right now, right? And I believe the other day he had 
20 people there at P7. P7 is a, a Bible study at his high school. Hallelujah. He's buying the truth. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. He's buying the truth and selling it not. To be bold to go into a high school and start preaching and teaching this word when everything else is against it, everything else is coming against it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Buy the truth and sell it not. I believe the first week there was a handful of people, three to five, something like that. 20 people were there this past week. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. I can tell you my daughter's preschool, last year when we first went and signed her up, we went to the, uh, the open house, and, and when we were there, they kind of bring everybody in, all the parents, and, and they kind of just talk about, you know, what, what they have going on. It's Miami Valley Christian Academy there in Newtown. And, and they stand up and they say, we're thankful that here at this school, we can teach your children uh, about the universe, and we can teach your children about trees and teach them about growth and nature, but we're going to also teach them that God is the one that created it. We're going to be teaching them God is the creator of the universe, and he spoke light into this world. And, and they said last year that it was the highest enrollment that there's been. They said, we have seen a record number over, over I, th I believe it's, they've been around for 15 years, roughly, something like that. And last year what was the highest number that they had had ever in the history of the school. And, and I just started thinking, and I believe the Lord impressed upon me that it's because society is rejecting all the garbage that the enemy is putting out into this community, into our communities, and into our kids. Some of the people there did not look very churched, I'll be honest with you. But who am I to judge? Amen. I mean, not everybody's going to look like that. Thank you, Jesus. But I was just shocked and thinking, wow, God, you're bringing some people. You're speaking to some people. I don't know what they believe in. I don't know what their doctrine is. I don't know what they believe in. But I'm thankful that they're sending their kids to a Christian school. Amen. Amen. And we just got an email the other day that said, this year exceeded last year. So it's continuing to grow. It's, gonna, it's continuing to grow. And I just thought, Lord, is this what you're doing? Your people are tired of what the, 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 the culture is offering right now, and you're bringing them into something better. And I asked one of the teachers that, and she said, you know what? We don't know, but I believe that because we're seeing something. And I'm going to believe that, and I'm going to hold on to that because there's got to be some reason that out of nowhere, a school that's been around that long each year is seeing record numbers and record numbers because people are bringing their children to something that's true. Amen. Hallelujah. People are looking for the truth. People need the truth. People want the truth. They know something inside them is telling them, I don't believe this. I don't know what's going on. I'm getting caught up in it. I I'm buying into it. I'm feeding this into my soul and into my mind every day. But I don't know. Something is not feeling right. And for some reason, when I hear something about God, that feels better than this. There's something that comes over me when I start feeling his presence. I, don't may, I may not understand it, but something is speaking to my heart when I feel that presence. One of the radio, Christian radio stations has that 30-day challenge because they know, hey, you turn off that whatever it is you're listening to, that secular music, and you turn up something that's exalting God, and something is going to change in you. Something is going to shift in you. Hallelujah. And they know, and they say after 30 days, you're going to be listening. 
It's not because they want numbers. I'm sure they do. But they know something is going to change in you. Testimonies come in. They play the testimonies over, over the air. I don't know my radio station. Somehow after I left the car dealership, somehow I, I, after I left the auto mechanic, was on this channel. And I can't turn it off now. I get to work and I feel better now. I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. It's the word of God. Hallelujah. Because it is written. His truth is written. Amen. Buy the truth and sell it not. Thank you, Jesus. We're seeing something shift, church. Something is happening. Not just here. Not just here in our congregation. We're, we're seeing it expedited here. Because God wants a people. And people have to have somewhere to go where he has prepared them. But we're seeing something change. I don't watch sports nearly, nearly as much as I used to. Very seldomly, actually. But a, a friend of mine called me the, uh, a week, actually about a month ago. And he said, have you noticed, have you noticed these athletes at the end of these games and when they're talking and being interviewed, they're exalting God. They're talking about God. And I said, you know what? I don't know. I haven't watched a whole lot, but I know every time that I do, I seem to hear something about God. And, and I don't remember that growing up. I remember there was some occasional athletes, and I don't want to make it just about athletes. I think God is raising up all kinds of prominent people. Politicians are being filled with the Holy Ghost. Politicians are being baptized in Jesus' name. And because of the times last year, they talked about politicians that went in and were baptized in Jesus' name. But I started to, to recognize that myself. And I don't know if you saw uh, uh, Brother Brian mentioned this recently too, that in, in the uh, national uh, championship in college, Alabama played uh, against Georgia. And their quarterback, a freshman quarterback, came in in the second half. The starter has been there for like two years, a solid starter, and, and has won like 25 games, lost maybe two, whatever. The guy is, it's, it's hard to believe that they pulled him out. But for whatever reason, the coach said, we need something. Something has to change because we're not doing very good right now, and, and, and we need something to spark this team. We need a change. Well, they came in. This guy leads them to a, to a victory. And, and over time, he throws a, uh, a long touchdown pass to win the game. After the game, they interviewed him and said, you're a freshman. You came in and took over for this quarterback that, that's been here, a starter for two years. How did your nerves handle that? How were you able to handle this pressure and sustain this and, and lead your team? You seemed completely unfazed by all this. And he said, I don't know, but I just prayed to God the whole time I was in the game. And I spoke in tongues, and it gave me peace. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. God is doing something, church. God is doing something, church. And we are going to be a part of that. He is raising up an army, church. He is raising up an army here at First Apostolic Church. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I know last week, Pastor preached a prophetic word on the Super Bowl. Hallelujah. Five years in a row, whatever it is, I have no idea. And, and, and we joked and said, well, if we would have called, you know, Vegas, we might have had this building campaign paid for. But we're not going to do that. So next year, don't get any ideas. Hallelujah. But he, pre he preached, and once again, 
it, it happened. But I'll, I'll tell you this. After that, I did get home after our evening service. Amen. And um, I got home for about the last quarter and did turn it on just to see what happened. And um, <laughs> the Eagles won. But three, three of three, oh, I believe it was their coach and two players came up on the platform in front of everybody in that whole packed out stadium. And the first thing they did was exalt God. They didn't say, I'm going to Disneyland. They said, what do you have to say? And the coach said, the first thing I want to do is give glory to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The next guy came up. I believe it was the quarterback. And he said, I don't know, but I just want to glorify God. I give all the glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. As a matter of fact, when he was interviewed uh, before the game, the week before the game, leading up to the game, again, another guy that wasn't a starter. He was not the starter. God is raising people up. He's, he's, he's giving a voice to the people that have a voice. Amen. That have an audience. Because people can't always come to the churches. They're going to watch the Super Bowl. And if somebody's exalting God, maybe somebody's going to hear something. But before that Super Bowl, they said, this is the biggest moment of your life. How are you preparing for it? What are you, what are you doing? And, and this is another thing I believe uh, 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 Brother Brian and I were talking about with Pastor. And uh, he said, you know what this is? This is, this is exciting and this is a big deal. But I really want something deeper in my life. I really want something more meaningful in my life. And when I'm done with this football thing, I want to be a pastor. That's what I want to do with my life. That's something that's real. And, and that's what I want to do with my life, something deeper. So he's the same guy that as soon as they ask him, how, did, how does this feel? What, what, how did you get through this? I give glory to God. Hallelujah, I give you all the glory, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The last player that came up, same thing. First thing he did was say, I give all the glory to God. Hallelujah, God is rising up an army. He is raising up an army in these last days because I believe we have hit them. So look around. It's not just us. Hallelujah, all flesh. It's not just in this sanctuary. But I can tell you this. He's trying to touch this sanctuary and this congregation specifically to be the tree of life. For the healing of the nations. So people can come and find a refuge in a place that's outside of this world, outside of this hurt. He's raising up a people that's going to say, you know what? I don't know what you're coming from. I don't know what's hurt you. I don't know what you're addicted to. I don't know how bad you've been hurt. I don't know what church hurt you went through that got you out of the church a long time ago. But this is a place that you can come and find healing. And I'm going to go ahead and let you take off of me. I'm going to let you take some of the sap off of me or take some from this leaf because I want to see you healed like I was healed. Hallelujah. I want to share with you what God did for me because if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. And I know what he took me from. Hallelujah. I know what he saved me from. So I want you to feel that same thing. I want you to come out of that hurt that you're in the middle of. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. 
Praise God. I just want to say this, the church, hallelujah, the church, and when I say the church, I mean his body. I, I mean his whole body, his whole church, everything that he is, where his word goes forth, where his word is preached, where, where he, is, he is speaking into our lives, where we're praising and worshiping God, his church, the body of Christ. It's not just what we do every week or once a week for some of us. Some of us Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. That's not just what it is. It's not just the routine. It's not just us getting together. It's not just us putting on our clothes, our Sunday's best in the morning, and saying, okay, I I'm ready to go. I'm a little bit tired. I would love to stay home, but what is somebody going to say? What are they going to say if I'm not here today? Are they going to think that I'm backslidden? What is somebody saying? It's not just something that we do. And when we've done this for many years, sometimes that can become the habit. We can think, this is just a habit to me. Hallelujah. But when we come into these seats, when we come into this church, it's more than just that. My God, hallelujah. We're coming into the house of God. Hallelujah. But better than that, this is like a field. We're just preparing it for those that are going to come in. We're just preparing what the word is preached the music's that sang. We're all anointing this house. Hallelujah. We're not just coming in and sitting and hearing a word. We're being touched. But my God, we're preparing. We're preparing for who he's going to bring. We're preparing all those people that are broke right now that are like, I don't know. I don't know. I've been to church before. I've been hurt in church before. I don't believe that. I think they're all hypocrites. I think it's all that. But then you come and you feel this presence and you see that there's genuine love. That's what we're doing here. We're preparing a place. Don't take it for granted. Don't take any service for granted. And I know in this place we get fed tremendously. Our pastor brings forth the word every time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But each and every one of us has a part in what's happening. Because I promise you, if it's not next week, it's going to be next month, or it's going to be next year that somebody's going to come in and sit there where you've been praying, where you've been crying, where you've been touched, and where you've been blessed, and they're going to say, I don't know what I feel right now, but I feel a healing. I feel something. So thank you, Jesus. Let's not ever take just getting up and going to church for granted. Let's not think, oh, well, I'm just doing this because it, it, it's what I do. And I can't wait to, to go home and, and get out of these clothes and into something comfortable. Amen. I do that. But my Lord Jesus, hallelujah, we're here for who you want to bring. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We're being stretched. People are being stretched. And I know that. I know that there's some people here under heavy attack heavy burdens, heavy things that are coming against us. And they're going to continue to do that. But I can tell you this, you're being stretched because God wants to prepare you to increase your territory. Hallelujah. You can't be, you can't be increased if you're not stretched. Hallelujah. Let me say it again. If you're being stretched right now, if you feel like you're being pulled and torn and it's, it's weighing you down, just know that God has a bigger and better plan for you. He's going to move and he's going to change your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The important thing is to know this is what's been written. The word of God has been written and has been established. I've got a friend of mine that, 
that I talk to occasionally, the same one that called and told me about, about the sports and the athletes. And, and one of the things that he'll do occasionally is he'll get on a, a rant about something, who knows what, and he's kind of just getting hyped up. And I'm like, all right, Ferns, okay, that's what I call them. Here you go again, what are you talking about? And then he'll say, you can write this one down. <laughs> and I know when he says that, he's saying, hey, I'm telling you right now, this is fact. This is true, and I'm telling you that because it's true. He's saying, you can write this one down, and that's what this word, thank you, Jesus, has been written. There's been a lot of things written, a lot of things written in history. And we know when they write, when they've been written, that it holds some weight. Things that have been written down hold a lot of weight. You know, our Constitution, our Declaration of Independence, all these things have been written down, and we hold on to those. And we say, well, if it's been written down, then that's got to be truth, right? But even at that, those things will come and go. Those things won't last forever. Our Constitution is not going to last forever. The United States is not going to last forever. I guarantee you there's been civilization, king after king, culture after culture that has thought, well, this is going to continue forever. But it's not going to last forever. And I know it wasn't true. I couldn't find it anywhere in the Bible. But in that old movie, The Ten Commandments, Pharaoh would say, let it be written, let it be so. He may have thought, I can't find where he actually did say that in the word. But I would imagine there's some truth to him saying that because they probably did some historical referencing. And Saul, and we know that Pharaoh certainly believed that anything he said was fact and true because he did believe he was God. But that wasn't true. Just like anything that's today that's not of God, there's only one thing that's written that is absolute true. And that's the word of God. Hallelujah. That's the one thing that I know I can stand on and say, this is truth. That is what I'm going to stand on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 138 and 2 says, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above your name. Hallelujah. You have magnified your word above your name. That's the word of God. That's how strong he is saying, this is my word. I'm going to magnify my word. Now, I did a search on that. I wanted to see exactly what is that saying. Because, Lord, your name is awful mighty. Everything that I read and everything that I studied more or less said it. At the end of the day, what he's saying is, those are both exalted equally. That's how powerful this word is. It's going to stand forever. Kings and kingdoms will come and go. But this word will stand forever. Throughout eternity, that's how powerful this word is. So I'll say it again, young people. Buy the truth and sell it not. Because if there is one thing that you can stand on, it's this word of God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's not going anywhere, church. It's not going anywhere. Thank you, Jesus. That's been written. His word has been written. There's four fundamental things that I want to talk about a little bit tonight because I think the fundamentals is what I talked about. If there's something that I can say, I'm going to hold on to this truth. I'm going to hold on to this. No matter what comes against me, I'm going to say, I know this is true. I'm going to hold on to these things. One is that his word has been written, and that his word is exalted high with his name. The other is that there is a hell. There is a hell, church. We don't want to talk about it anymore. We shy away from it. 
there's a lot of people coming against that, that theory, that, that doctrine. I'm sorry, that's not a theory at all. That truth, that's under attack that there's a hell. People are saying there's no Satan, there's no devil, there's no hell. And, and I'm here to say right now that there is indeed a hell. Jesus told us about that in Matthew 25, 41. He said, then he will also say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. There is a hell. There is a culture. The enemy is coming against this truth with all of his might to trick us, to trick young people, to trick us, to trick us in the church that have heard this all our lives to say, well, I, I don't know that I believe that. There's a, a, a famous pastor, preacher that was steeped in the truth years ago that I saw an interview with him recently, and then he said, well, you know what? I don't believe that anymore. I don't believe that God would do that, that God would have a hell and, and send people there that he loves. <sighs> Jesus' name, help us. Help us to know that there is a hell, and we cannot buy into this false doctrine that says there's no hell. Satan would like nothing more than for us to believe that. Nothing more for us to buy into those lies and say, well, you know what, that's okay, I will live this way. Maybe this book is a little bit older. Maybe this word is not for us today. That's what our culture in the United States is telling us. Maybe, uh, you know, God's not going to do that. Just like he told that woman, though. Go and sin no more. Hallelujah, Jesus. I have to know and understand that there is a hell. And it's very real, and some are going to end up there if we don't give ourselves to him. And if we don't stand on this word and say, you know what? I know that this is truth, and I don't care again what somebody tells me. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to go back to what you said. And right there you said, there is a place prepared for the devil and his angels. And there's a place prepared for sinners that don't repent. And that's just truth. No matter how much it's hard to say, no matter how much we want to shy away from it, that's truth. Because it is written. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. But thank you, Jesus, for heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. John 14, 2 and 3. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for preparing me a place. And I have to hold on to those truths. I have to say, you know what, Lord? I understand that there is a hell. But I also understand that there is a heaven. And how I live my life every day is dependent on where I end up. So if I want to go ahead and sell the truth... I know where I may go because you told me that that place exists. You told me that hell is for real. But if I can say, all right, I'm going to walk, Lord. I'm going to take each step. And I'm going to say, you know what? When culture comes at me or when this song comes at me or whatever it is that's telling me that this is not true or that, you know what? I can live how I want because at the end of the day, I'm saved because of your grace and mercy. No, I'm going to say, you know what? No, there is a hell. And there are going to be people that go there. Jesus, help us. Help us with this culture, this mindset that it's okay, it's okay, I've got this. I lost a cousin recently that was definitely not living a lifestyle that was good. And, and, and my mom had a conversation with him and, and said, you know, you have, to, you have to change this. You have to give yourself back to God. You have to, to make this change and get out of this wicked lifestyle that you're living. And he said, I don't want to hear it. 
I love God, God loves me, I'm good. Jesus. Right before Christmas, two days before Christmas, he was hit, just got off a bus in Clifton and, and was crossing the street, was hit, flew 20 feet, something like that, landed on his head. I got a call at about 11 o'clock, a few hours after it happened, to go to University Hospital. They don't think he's going to make it. It could be any minute now. And, and the person that hit him just left, a hit and skip. And I got there, and I got to just could be completely transparent. And I went into that room, and, and no one was else was there, sisters in Florida, his brother in, in Kentucky, and the other family was busy. And it was the first time that I'd been in, in, in an atmosphere like that to come and pray for someone that was on the verge of death or in a serious issue. It was the first time that I, I did not feel any, any leading from God. I did not feel his presence in that room. And I hate to say that right now because that is a cousin of mine that I, I love and I care for. But I'll be honest with you and say I did not feel any leading on what to do, what to pray how to help him, what to say, Lord, God, what do I say in a situation where this person just bought into this culture, this modern culture that we have in this country that says, God loves me, I love God, and I'm good. And here I am standing there looking at him. It was not a pretty sight, and I'm thinking, Lord, I want to feel something so desperately to pray over him, but I'm feeling nothing. What is that? My God. Jesus, that, that's that belief that this isn't all true. That's what it is. That's what, that's what we're up against, church. That's what we, as a body of Christ, are up against, an attack of the enemy that's saying this is not the truth, that all of this is not the truth, this is not for today. How can that be for today when it says so many things and has so many demands? His yoke is easy and his burden is light. I can do it in him. I can't do it by myself. I can't pick up, I can't live all these laws to the letter. And that's why he came to save us. That's why he came to give us the ability to live through him. And when we end up at that place, at that judgment, I can say, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. He did it. And that's the name that I'm taking on. So if we don't understand that, if we're not living that, if we're not showing that, hallelujah, Jesus. I fear, I fear for where, where we could end up. And, and just like I felt in, in that situation, in that hospital room, nothing. Hallelujah, because people are buying into that fact. Well, I, I don't know that that's for me. I don't know that I definitely need this. Jesus, there's a heaven and a hell. Those are two fundamentals that I can absolutely stand on and say, I, I, I know that's the case. And it has been written. But I know ultimately what's going to be written is the Lamb's Book of Life. That will be written. And whatever I have to do to see my name in that book, hallelujah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Young people, do it. 
Understand that no matter what you think this word says, no matter if you think, oh, I don't know that I can do that. I disagree with it. I want to live this way. I don't want to give up this sin. I don't want to give up that. I don't want to do that because that's what my parents are telling me to do. And that's what it seems like they're just telling me because that's what this book says. Well, this is truth. And that's what I have to live because I know that God says there's going to be a Lamb's book of life. And that's what I want to see my name in. Hallelujah, Revelations 20 and 15. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I don't know, church, that says anyone that's not in that Lamb's book of life. So I want to see my name and say, it is written. I want to hear God say, there it is. It is written. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. In Revelations 20, um, or no, I'm sorry, Revelations 3, I want to read 1 through 6 there. And it says, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who was with the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your, work, your works perfect before God. Remember them before you have received and heart hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief. And you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, or you have a few names even in Sardis. Who have shall who have who they have shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And looking into that a little bit, and Sardis is an area that was steeped high on a cliff and, and tough to get to, a terrain that was high on a cliff that was hard to get to. And in studying that, there was two occasions where it was taken over. And this, was a, a, this is an important geographical place because of where it's located and, and what it's located by, but also how fortified it was. It was a hard place to get through. It was a hard place to penetrate and be overtaken. And they referenced that because of that, because this was a hard place to break through. But it said on two occasions, because the watchman had grown lazy, because the watchman had grown tired, because the watchman had slacked for just a few minutes, they were able to be overcome. People snuck in, enemies snuck in and opened the gates and they were overtaken. Hallelujah, church, I'm telling you that the enemy is trying to sneak into each and every one of your lives. Hallelujah, you're here for a purpose. But I know, I can look back over the last several years and there's a lot of people that have fallen away and there's a lot of people coming too. That's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing the beginning of this great falling away. And this great coming to, I strongly believe that. Because like I said, we're seeing a people raised up and rising up from unexpected places and talking about God. Hallelujah. So we have to be watchful. We have to be watchful for this congregation, for our children, and for our young people. Because that's what's happening. Thank you, Jesus. I'm coming to a close if the musicians want to come. But I do want to make a couple more observations and just say again. 
This is not time to grow weary. This is not time to grow lazy. This is not time to leave the church. This is not time to to turn from God. This is not time to say, you know what, I'm not going to buy all of this truth. I'm going to take a little bit of it. I'm going to maybe give a little bit of it back. I'm going to say, well, maybe not, not today this isn't for me. Maybe right now I'm not in a season where I want to live this actual the way it says. Maybe I'm going to kind of take it my way and say, well, fit this into my box right now because uh, this is how I, uh, this is what I'm going through. And, and I may not be able to live up to this the way it is right now. It's not the time, church. We need to be at his feet. Hallelujah. I say this not because it's an altar call coming, but because it's where we, we, we get fed. It's where we get renewed. And, and my wife, several months ago, talked about this, talked about the altar, and talked about what it means to come up to this place and said, it's just like going to the ocean. All of a sudden, you start to f- smell that scent a- as you're coming up towards the church. And, and I say this because I think too many of us have gotten away. We've said, well, I don't, I, you know, I've been to the altar plenty of in my life. And if I go up there, what are people going to be thinking? Are they thinking I'm struggling with what was just preached about? Or, or am I struggling with something? And, and, and we're losing something. If we're going to be the tree of life, we're going to be prepared in every way. I'm just saying what's on my heart, church. I'm just sharing what God has undoubtedly put on my heart. But she said it's like you're driving toward the ocean. And first, you know, we're on Cooper Road and you can kind of smell that scent. I, I know that I'm getting close, and I feel a little bit different. The air feels a little bit differently. The scent's a little bit different. And then all of a sudden, you kind of get to the parking lot, and you turn on, and it's like now you're walking onto the, to the sand, and you're, you're stepping onto the sand, and you're like, I'm getting close, and this feels good, and, 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 and I can't wait to feel that, that refreshing sea. And then you kind of approach the building and you, you come in through the doors and maybe now the waves are coming up and your toes are getting touched and, and you're starting to feel a little bit of that and it feels really good. It's hot and, and that's just refreshing. It feels good. You make your way to the sanctuary. Now all of a sudden you're kind of up to your waist. Maybe it's even coming up to your chest a little bit. But when you come up to the altar, that's when you get into deep waters. That's when God can change things deeply. We're caught up in thinking, well, I'm good, Lord. I, I, I've got it, and I'll, I'll go home and get in my prayer closet. I believe those things. I, I absolutely do. Some of us receive the word different than others and, and take it with us and, and chew on it all week. But the, the fact is that those deep waters are where we're truly changed. Can we just stand for, for a few minutes? And, and Because of where God wants to take us, And not because it has anything to do with, with me or, or, or the word tonight, but because of where God wants to take us and where he's preparing us and needs us to be and needs us to be unified. I, I do want to see if we can all come to the altar. I want to see if we can pray together and say, you know what, Lord, I want to stand with my brother. I want to stand with this congregation because if we're going to be a tree of life, then, Lord, I know, I know that you have to do something with us. And I know that we have to be unified. And I know that I have to be in your word. And I have to love you. And I have to love my brother. And I have to stand with him. And just real quick, I want to read what Jesus said at that moment again. Because if we really listen to it, 
will understand that maybe what we've been through, maybe what's hurt us, and maybe what's kept me from getting closer to you, and maybe what's caused me to have aught with a brother in the church, or maybe what's caused me to not give everything that I have in the church is because of something that I've gone through. But Jesus again said, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, Who, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being con convinced or convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest and even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. The woman standing in his midst when Jesus had raised up himself and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I say that because too many of us have been hurt or hurt people in the church. We have to lay that down. We have got to lay that down because church, where God wants to take us, we have to be healed before he can bring somebody else to be healed. Let's get that tonight. Let's pray with each other. Jesus, help me, Lord.